The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Today's readings have a lot to say to to those of us who are in the position of being shepherds in the church. And, you know, in the gospel reading, our Lord, he meets his disciples after he's just sent them out, right? Last week, he sent them out two by two, and he said, you know, whatever town or village you go to, if they welcome you, stay there with them. If they don't welcome you, shake the dust from your sandals and move on. And they went out and they preached the gospel and they cured many people of diseases and, and great things were done through them. And they come back to our Lord and they start to tell him all the great things that they've done. And then our Lord says to them, come away by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. And, and, and at first glance, and maybe you know, in years past, when I would hear that, I would think, man, they just must have been really tired and he wants them to go take naps. But there's something more there because in the life of Jesus, what we see is that he'll go and he'll do these great miracles and signs and wonders, and then he'll go away to a deserted place to pray. And so our Lord is constantly going to be alone with the Father. And that movement towards the Father, especially after doing something amazing, is a movement of gratitude. It's a movement that go and say, like, Father, thank you for what you did through me. And so when he invites his disciples to go to a deserted place and rest a while, he's inviting them to go rest in the Father. He's saying, okay, I've allowed you to share in the work that I do out there, and now I'm inviting you to take refuge with my Father with me. It's a place of gratitude and a place to be refreshed and a place of strength because he wants them to be conformed to his own life. And as they make that movement towards the Father, the Father is sort of always waiting and as we go to him in gratitude, he then inspires them to go out again. 
And so when, when they disembark, Jesus sees this large crowd of people. And after having gone to the Father to be refreshed, to be filled, he sees this crowd of people who also need to be filled, but they don't know where to be filled. And he has pity on them. And pity is such a like, hard word in English. One, it brings to mind Mr. T a lot, if you're old as me. But I remember once working with a young teenager who was very close to me, and he, he said something to me like, I just don't want people to pity me. And, and so, so every time I read it in Scripture, I really read it as empathy. Like our Lord looked at them and had empathy for them. Like he knows the longing of their heart, that longing to be filled, that longing to take refuge. Because it's the same thing that prompts him to always go to the Father. And so they're like sheep without a shepherd and he enters into their life. And it's a school that he's teaching his disciples to be apostles so that they can be pastors and bishops. But their life has to be centered on the Father. In the first reading, there's that exhortation from the prophet Jeremiah, which is very biting, you know. Woe to shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture. You have scattered my sheep and driven them away. You have not cared for them. But I will take care to punish your evil deeds. And then Jeremiah says on behalf of the Lord that he'll appoint shepherds for them who will shepherd them so they need no longer fear and tremble and none shall be missing. And so the Lord is always harsh on shepherds who don't love their sheep. He's always harsh on shepherds who don't love their sheep. And we live in a time in the church where many people feel like we have shepherds who don't love their sheep. Or maybe like we feel misunderstood by them or we don't understand them. And that leads to that kind of fear that Jeremiah speaks of. It leads to that kind of fear and that kind of insecurity. And, and so we start looking and grasping for, for somebody that's solid or something that's solid. And sometimes, and I know this has happened in my own life, that when human people fail me that were supposed to love me, I look for another human person to make up the difference. And that usually doesn't work very well because like, unless that person is Jesus, it's not going to really make up the difference because we all fall short. You know, we all fall short. And that also applies to family life, you know, like... When, when we've grown up maybe in a family where our mother or our father wasn't the mother or father that we needed. And, and I know this is it's like a super sensitive area because the hardest thing for any of us to admit is that our mom or our dad fell short in our lives. And what I've had to come to know myself and, and my exhortation and, and encouragement is this, is like, unless your mother's name is Blessed Virgin Mary and your father's name is Saint Joseph, your parents fell short in some way. And it's okay to admit that. 
And in my own life, I would, I would try to look for somebody like a priest or, or somebody, somebody to make up the difference, but then they would fall short. And it leads to a lot of discouragement. And it took me a long time to realize, like, I have somebody who won't fall short. You know, like, Jesus will not fall short. Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was given to all of us to be our mother, will never fall short. St. Joseph, who we can focus on in a new way and maybe see that he can be our spiritual father, will never fall short. And that's a lesson that, that exists in Scripture from the very beginning, and, and it's really what we hear in the Psalms today is like David coming to that realization, right? All the Psalms were written by David, and if there's anybody in the history of, in our great long history of Judeo-Christian world, it's David who understands what it's like to have a shepherd who falls short. And David was a young boy and he was anointed by Samuel to be king. And then he is introduced to Saul, who is the king, and the king is also a religious leader. And Saul brings David into his home. And Saul's son, Jonathan, becomes David's best friend. And Saul gives David his daughter to be his wife. And then he sends David out on campaign and David slaughters all of these like enemies and comes back. And then the people start singing this song. Saul had his thousands. David had his ten thousands. And then the leader who is supposed to care for him starts being jealous of him and seeks to kill him. And so I've been invited into this relationship with a king who's a religious leader king, and he wants to kill me, and it's not my fault. God called me to this. It's not my fault. And somewhere in David's heart, he starts writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like when this shepherd named Saul fails me, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he just reaffirms and goes back to the Lord and sees the thing behind the thing that's most important to him. And it's a lesson that we all need to learn as humans that, that that's what we believe. That's why we come to Mass on Sundays because God is God and we're not God and neither are our parents and neither are our government officials and neither are our church leaders. But he is and there's something he desires for us. And when we come to know that, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. I had the great joy of being on the Unveiled Conference this last weekend, and, uh, and I have a very privileged place because like, I knew so many of the people there, or they knew me, or like, somebody had met me at a conference in Kansas City that I gave, and, and they remembered me well from that like two years ago, and, and, and then they were at this conference. And, and there was a particular couple that would never get up and talk in front of people. And they just shared an insight that they got. And, and I listened to them, and as they said, like, like, this is, I've been looking for Jesus, but, like, like I, I, I don't know. Like, they, they just found something new, you know? And, and this woman said, you know, in the midst of our marital conflict, I thought, well, he's kind of on his own. I'm okay over here with Jesus, just me and Jesus, and he can do whatever he wants to do. And then she said, and I realized, like, that was, like, we're in this together. And we both need to go to the Lord together. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's such, I wanted to go high-five everybody in the room. Because it was an amazing breakthrough, it was an amazing breakthrough 
that happen when they realize the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And today in the church, we need to know that so much because there's so much division and just division over crazy things. And so I'm, I want to say something very briefly, and I'm not going to go into a long explanation, but if you want me to later, we can have a little class or something. Um, so, like, the Pope just came out with this new motu proprio about traditional Latin liturgy. And, and I anticipate, if it hasn't already, because I don't follow social media, it's going to cause a huge uproar, and people on either side of the, the our thing are just going to get really angry, and they're probably going to go this way. And, and so, so I just, there's a couple of points in it that I, that I think are important to hold in our hearts you know, and I have dear friends, like, on every angle of that kind of talk, but, but the reason I have friends on the whole angle of the talk is because my desire is to help everyone come to know the love of our Lord, and people on both ends of that spectrum and that issue need to know the love of our Lord. And, and some of the most interesting things that were there, and we have to remember that we have laws for a reason, like, like people make decisions for a reason, and we can suppose there is a reason. You know, like when, like you can read in national news all over the place, like a priest was punished, but it doesn't seem like he really did that much wrong. Um, like we can probably maybe assume that like, well, maybe there was something that they don't want to tell me because that's really private, and I don't really need to know the details, but maybe there's something more. We have speed limits. Why do we have speed limits? Because somebody was like going 95 miles an hour through a neighborhood. That's why we have a speed limit. Why, does, why do we have the Ten Commandments say God does not kill? Because somebody was killing somebody. But we shouldn't need that law because we're humans and we should love each other. And, and so one of the interesting things that was written there was like when, when a community is established that celebrates the traditional liturgy, that the bishop needs to ensure that the priest is actually like shepherding his people and caring about their hearts. And, and I found that to be fascinating, right? Because, because that means that there's a desire that that person is actually like walking with people and caring about their hearts. And, and, and really that should be the case for everybody. I think the bishop should go around to all of our priests in the diocese and say like, are you actually caring about your people's hearts or are you just like sitting in your office doing administration and saying mass and that's it? Because that's a good thing to check on. And, and so, but there, there can be that reality and, and it's, it becomes like a hugely divisive thing. And, and I've had dear friends who, who've just like lost their way because they lost sight of the shepherd. And at the same time, like within that liturgical expression, like I've learned so much from my friends. And, and some people ask me, you know, like, do you prefer mass saying the people or saying mass like, facing away from the people. And, and it's something that like, I really hate that discussion because it frames it the wrong way. Like, I, know, I know a priest who said like, everybody needs the same ass face to face, but this particular priest, like he avoids people at all costs when he's like, you know, out in the world. So he's not willing to be face to face like when he's walking down the street, but he wants to be face to face when he celebrates the liturgy. Like it doesn't make sense to me, things should be congruent. You know, and somebody asked me this, and so like my personal preferences, like I, I really enjoy saying mass ad orientum, like, like facing the same direction as the people, we can say it that way. But, but the reason for it is, is just very personal. Like the reason for it is that like, 
as Jesus, like he always has to go be alone with the Father. And, and for me, like, like having the sanctuary arranged in that way is just a way of reminding me in a very tangible way that that's a moment of me being alone with the Father. And, and that I have to be filled by him so that I can give my life. And, and otherwise, if I just think about giving my life and giving my life and giving my life, I'm going to get empty and I'm going to get burned out. And then somebody's going to say, Father, can I have five minutes? And I'm going to be like, oh, gosh, what do you want? And I don't want to be that guy. But I can only do that if, if I'm going to be alone with the Father. And it's like the most intimate moment in a priest's life. And, and priests get in trouble because they lack intimacy with our Lord. And it's the most intimate moment in my life. And... And I'd really prefer to, to spend that moment like where it's just, it's just kind of between me and him for you, but it's between me and him for you, right? If you're married, do you ever have intimate moments with your spouse that are like intimate moments between you, but they really bear fruit in the way you are towards your children? Of course you do. Or intimate conversations that bear fruit in the way you live your life. And so... So it's, it's for that reason, because it goes back to what's in the Gospels today. And so today, let us pray that, that our Lord truly bring peace where there's division, that our Lord truly bring his love. We pray for all of the shepherds of the church that, that they keep their eyes on the Lord in all things. And that the fruit of an encounter with him will be our own ability to go out into the world that we live in and spread the grace and love and mercy of Jesus to each person we encounter.